You're listening to Better Than Yesterday, a podcast that will inspire the chase to your best self. My name is Angelo Kelly, and I'm a creator who escaped the traditional nine to five. On the show, you'll hear conversations with elite athletes, mindset coaches, and everyday people who talk about their personal journey to a life of passion. I appreciate you guys being here. Now let's get rolling. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Better Than Yesterday. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest is Josh McGee. Josh is a former college baseball player turned weightlifter. So I reached out to him on Instagram because I realized that we had such similar stories. I think a lot of college athletes have a hard time transitioning out of their sport and not having anything that's next. You don't have the next game, the next season, anything to look forward to. So Josh has turned to weightlifting just like I have, and we've both been able to get our competitive nature out in some way. So I talked to him about his transition out of the game, what made him decide to get into weightlifting, and he shares a great story of his first day in his weightlifting gym. So without further ado, here's Josh. Josh, thank you for coming on the show today. No problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. So I came across you on Instagram. We have pretty similar stories, I'd say. You played college baseball and then are now transitioning into weightlifting. So I kind of just wanted to pick your brain on what that transition's been like, um, your baseball career a little bit, and then uh, and then just get going from there. Cool, cool. So playing baseball, was that the only sport you played growing up, or were you doing other stuff as well? Um, no, I played, I played baseball, basketball, and football um, my whole life until, um, until I got to high school. And then freshman year, I cut out basketball. And then after freshman year, when I moved um, back to live with my mom, I uh, decided just to focus on baseball at that point. I enjoyed football, but it wasn't really my, my passion, I guess. So, uh, like, at what point did you decide you wanted to play college baseball? You wanted to keep your career going? Um, well, the second I decided I wanted to play college baseball, the second I could pick up a bat, um, if we're being completely honest, it was – Something my dad did. Um, he played baseball at Ole Miss. And so baseball was something I grew up doing. And it was just, it was always something, something just kind of the standard in my life. There, there's always baseball. And it was just whether it was watching it, playing it, talking about it. I always wanted to play college baseball and ultimately play in the big leagues. Yeah, I think we all grow up with that dream. And then, absolutely. And, the, but even as you're getting closer to it, like you start to climb up the ranks, you get to college. Did you, was there a point where you're like, this is an actual possibility that I could play professional baseball? Yes, it was, it was my freshman year of college. We, um, we had our, our pro day or whatever. And he, coach let everybody participate, even though we weren't draft eligible as freshmen. Um, you know, I, I ran the 60 and then um, did defense. And I had a coach, um, had a scout for the Yankees come up to me in the middle of it and asked me how old I was. And I told him, he kind of looked at me funny. And I turned to one of the older guys, I said, why do you kind of act like that? He goes, cause he was surprised that you're, you know, a freshman. And I was like, it's like, Oh, and then we took batting practice. And then one of the, the same scout came up to me and goes, keep doing what you're doing. You're going to play in the big leagues one day. And that's when I, it was kind of a, 
It's like, oh, all right, this is this is something that's gonna happen. Did anything change after that? Like your routines, like practice, anything? Did you start to you think take it more seriously once um, you heard that? I think I always took it as seriously as I could. It was um, after that kind of moment, I guess you'd say it was it was more of a thing where it almost consumed me, and I think that may have been a bad thing. What do you th- what do you think was like? Do you think it was just having that goal and like always wanting to to make it that was like pressure? Do you think it was trying to force it? Yeah, it was trying to it was trying to force everything. It was trying to be um, a Rod, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, you name it, on every single at bat. And and obviously that's not that's not the approach to take towards the game. You have to take it one pitch at a time and. And I was trying to get drafted with one swing of the bat every time I step in the box. And that's where I think I almost almost put too much pressure on myself and kind of created some performance anxiety on myself because I just wanted it so bad that I tried to force things. When you force things, they don't necessarily happen the way they're supposed to. Yeah, totally. I can see that. And your senior year, I think you basically did that. You you prepared yourself to get drafted. I looked at your stats and you were just hammering the ball everywhere. So what was, uh, what was your senior year? Like, was there, you know, scouts and, and uh, people come to your games where you thought that this is, you're going to play at the next level for sure. Um, so I ended up transferring to a smaller school for my senior year of college. Um, because I think once my freshman year happened, I'd, kind of got inside my own head and, and, and struggled to get in the lineup or stay in the lineup. And once I got, you know, in my senior year, I finally got a chance to play every day. And, and a lot of that pressure was taken off because um, it was, it was almost one of those things where I knew I wasn't fighting to stay in the lineup at that point and I could just play. Um, and so when I was able to do that, I think that's when I was able to kind of relax more and kind of let, let all the work that I've put in play. Yeah. I know that feeling when it's like, you feel like you make one mistake and you're like, fuck, I'm never playing again versus yes. always playing. And it's like, even if I make a mistake, I'm going to get chewed out, but at least I know I'm going to play tomorrow. It, exactly. Play. It's, it's, it's much more comforting to know it. I'm just going to take this tongue lashing and, and then get my next step bad as opposed to, Oh man, I'm about to take a tongue lashing. Or even worse, not even get a tongue lash and just know I'm not going to play the next day. Yeah. It's just like, it's it's kind of a helpless feeling. You're kind of like, that was one play. And you're sitting there just kind of itching and itching and itching and that can consume you if you, if you let it. Yeah, and I think weightlifting kind of is that now, like you've transitioned on to weightlifting. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your baseball career, but weightlifting in the sense where you might get, you get three lifts at snatch and you get three lifts at clean and jerk and you're done. So you might bomb out of a competition and you don't compete for six months again or now in this case. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Um, yeah, that's it's kind of beauty of sport though. It's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where obviously you, you know, as I do the, the hardest thing to do in sports is, is, you know, hit a 95 mile an hour fastball. Um, but I think anybody who's been in weightlifting long enough knows that it's equally as hard to lift 400 pounds over their head. And I think that's, that's more of a matter of, of what you're willing to do um, when nobody's watching when it's time to practice. Whereas baseball, some dudes can just do it. 
Like, um, yes, those big leaders work hard, but those guys are just on a different level than everybody else. They're just better. Like there's nothing that normal people can do to train, to work that they're never going to have that capacity to hit at the big league level. Whereas I think while there is a genetic disposition to be strong and explosive for weightlifting, I think when it comes down to it, it's, you can tell who's working and who's not and who's, who's doing the little things because obviously those are that 1% compared to everybody else. Yeah, for sure. So you graduate college. What's uh, what's the point where you decide baseball's done and you're going to move on to the next thing. So when baseball ended, we, I moved back home and was kind of in that, in that mode of, okay, I didn't get draft or I was waiting for the draft. Um, got called a couple times, never called back. Um, and then I was sitting there a couple days went by talking, you know, possible free agent deals, nothing. Um, and then it was kind of like, all right, well, what's the next step? And I talked to my dad and he goes, if you want something, you got to earn it. It's, it's ultimately how the conversation ended. It's like, obviously, you know, I wasn't a, a guy that played at LSU. I wasn't a guy that played at Ole Miss, whatever the case may be. It was sometimes you got to take the, the less pretty route to get what you want, especially when it comes to baseball. Cause so many people want to play baseball. And so I got invited to a couple workouts for a couple of indie ball clubs, a couple of big league clubs, um, had, had pretty good tryouts and, you know, it's, it's batting practice. So, you know, I was, I was, I was hitting the ball all over the place and, Ran a couple uh, six threes. He ran a six two in the sixty, and and that was and that was when I was kind of like, all right, I don't know. There's almost nothing else I can do from a physical standpoint at these at these tryouts and these workouts. And it was kind of one of those things where at that point I realized I'm too old. I'm 23 at the time, so I was like, it's really hard to sign a 23 year old that wall had a lot of power numbers, had a lot of strikeout numbers as well. And it's not like I, I had the power numbers and strikeout numbers in the SEC. I had them in the NAI. So that's um, obviously those home runs don't hold near the weight it would if I did them, you know, against the pitching likes of Florida and, and uh, Texas and all those schools. So um, I was kind of like, there's just more to it than just being good enough because I always felt I was good enough. I, there's just more to it. It's timing. It's your age. It's the day you show up. It's, it's who needs a spot, who doesn't. And I guess when it all comes down to it, it wasn't meant to be. And it takes a while for that to settle in. And then when you realize when you finally get a chance to be a regular person, you, you kind of look at what you've missed. Not that you hate that you played, you know, a sport, and gave your life to a sport for as long as you did, you just kind of look up and go, man, there are other things in life than baseball. And there are other things that can make you happy and you can enjoy other than living in the cages, the weight room and, and on the field all the time. And that's when you kind of learn to be a normal person. And it, you know, I took a couple months and just, just wanted to be a normal person. Like didn't really care about much of anything. Um, it was pretty much a summer. It was just, I hung out with my friends, partied with my friends, had a good time, stayed up late, 
slept late, you know, had a little job. But other than that, um, I didn't do anything. And um, it was just, you know, I mean, I, I still worked out and stuff just because I enjoyed it. But it was when I was kind of like, I was talking, actually, I was talking to one of my old strength coaches when I was at Southeastern. And he pretty much, you know, he and I got, got to talking about, about weightlifting again because that's pretty much all we talked about. And after that conversation, I sat down and I was like, man, I wonder if I can do it. And I was like, let's just see. So I actually sent him a text and I was like, hey, man, can you like program something up for me just to kind of give me some intro to weightlifting? And he was like, absolutely. So he sent me a good like beginner 12-week program that he drew up and, and I fell in love with it and haven't looked back since. And you told me the other day that you walked in to your first barbell club and said, I want to go to the Olympics. Yeah. So coach Johnny, he, um, actually never met this guy. Didn't know who he was, never heard of him. And, um, one of my buddies who works out at the CrossFit that our barbell club is in, I had been talking to him about, you know, how I started weightlifting and stuff. And he's like, well, you ought to go see Johnny and see if you can get on the club and this, that, and the third. And I, and I, and I was like, Keller, um, I actually texted him. I was like, Hey, Keller, can I get his number? He sent me his number. And I texted Johnny without even meeting this guy, never seen this guy and, and asked what day I could come speak to him about possibly joining the club. And, and he told me come anytime between, you know, he told me the times and it was, it was like a, it was like a Wednesday or Thursday evening. I think it was, it was like, it was like six o'clock. It was dark. It was in the fall. So it was, it was dark already. And I walk in and I'm looking for him. I don't even know what to look for. And I ask just the first person I see, Hey, is, is uh, coach Johnny around? And he points him out. He says, he's this big old redheaded guy. And I walk up to him and go, Hey Johnny, I'm Josh. We talked earlier this week. He goes, Hey, it's nice to meet you. And I just kind of asked him information about, um, you know, what he does and what his plan is and, and kind of how, how it operates and stuff. And, he goes, we'd love to have you. Um, he asked for some video of, of my very average, below average snatch. And um, cleans were always okay. Jerks were trash. Um, and so he goes, you move pretty well. You're pretty weak. I was like, I know. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I looked him dead in his face and said, I want to go to the Olympics. And he goes, well, well, all right, I'll see you Monday. And I'm getting ready to walk out. I was like, well, actually, I'll see you in a couple weeks because I have to get my tonsils out on Monday. And so after having this, this conversation with him, I got to sit on the couch and lose 15 more pounds of weight to be even skinnier than I already am. And pretty much nothing. And then finally recovered, was cleared to exercise and walk in on the first day and pretty much got my ass handed to me. That's awesome though, that you went in with that goal. Cause I think it, and it also depends on like what coach you go to. Cause I'm sure some coaches would be like, yeah, but like, let's be realistic. Let's work on, you know, let's go, let's go to American open series first. And you're like, no, nah, I'm going to the Olympics. And he's like, all right, yeah. all right, next training session. Like I'll see you. Yeah. There. I'm not gonna, it's, it's fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Lifting weights is fun, but it's not, fun enough to do it without doing it for a reason, especially not, you know, five to six days a week with, you know, heavy and high volume, um, you know, squatting, snatching, cleaning, jerking, all that stuff is, it's a ton of fun just because as athletes, you, 
you can get bored very quickly doing just going in the gym and doing pull-ups and lat pull-downs and bent over rows and bench press just just to keep yourself healthy whereas you know being able to move a barbell and sometimes pretending you're still an athlete kind of gives gives people that satisfaction that we need having such a high athletic identity and um and so it was just like you have to have a reason and once i realized that the the intensity at which weightlifting has on your body. I didn't realize my knees would feel like glass for six months. I didn't realize I would, I would feel like I got in a fight, you know, every day after training and the next day that I realized that this is definitely something you have to have some extrinsic motivation that can also compound that intrinsic motivation for sure. Yeah. And I think just the, the barbell just beats you up. Like I have, so I had like a major wrist injury and I was, I was out for like a month. I could not, I went from snatching like 95 kilos to not being able to do a push up. And it's like, Jeez. and when you do that, you kind of have to step back and think like, why am I doing this? And it, if I wanted to have fun, if I wanted to just enjoy this, I'd go do CrossFit or I'd go do jujitsu. Absolutely. Like, I, I think that's cool that you've kind of recognized that you set a goal and it's like, once you start competing, it's like you're all into this and it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be glorious, especially if you say you go to the Olympics. Like if you would have just said, hey, I want to compete at the American Open. I want to have fun. Like the program is completely different. Absolutely. And and he and coaches won't. So I've learned, especially in weightlifting, but in any sport for that matter, is is the coach is going to match your intensity. It's, you know, as well as I do that even playing baseball is there's always those dudes that you saw them, they're on the team, but they never really, they were satisfied with just being on the team and, and, and saying they played college baseball. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with enjoying just getting where you wanted to go. And, and when it's over, you hang your hat on, you know what? I enjoyed it. I was glad I got where I did. That's all I wanted. And you're satisfied. That's, that's totally okay that some people have that goal. I'm just not that person. I don't, I have a, I don't know what you want to call it, whether it's a complex, whether it's a, it's a mindset. I don't want to do anything half-assed. I don't want to do anything just because I want to, if I'm going to do something, I want to do whatever it takes to get to the, the pinnacle of that field, to be at the top, to, to be somebody that has done it to the fullest and cannot have anything denied the fact that they were at one point are still the best at what they do. Yeah. That's funny. You mentioned that like the intensity level. So I played at a D three school. So there's obviously varying levels of commitment. There's absolutely me who's showing up. I like the strength coach is telling me like, you gotta, you gotta rest. You can't just keep coming in here after practice and stuff. And then there's guys who show up five minutes before batting practice, their Fallon pitches off, they're swinging and missing. Exactly. And, and I was always that person to like, that drove me nuts. Like I remember if people fouled pitches off in batting practice and I'm like, you didn't hit off the fucking tee before we started. I'm like, you're wasting all our time here. So yeah. it's funny. It sounds like you have a lot of the same, same thoughts with that as well. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's never a knock on, on, 
on the type of person somebody is or who they are, you know, or their character or anything like that. It's just not something that, that I, if I'm going to do something, I want to be good at it and, and not just good. I want to be great. And so, I mean, if it's, even if it's playing checkers, I don't want to, you know, just be good at checkers. I want to whip your ass. Like I, I want you to not get a single um, chip off the board. That's mine. I want to completely just wax your ass through and through. So how do you balance that? Like when now you're competing and you're climbing up the ranks of the weight class, but you're not at the top yet. So like, where do you balance that? Like knowing that you're probably not going to win nationals or anything yet. Like you're close, but you can only do so much to, to reach that next level, you know? Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely a big um, ego check for sure because I thought I was strong when I was playing sports. Um, I was a bass player, you know, had a, had a 315 power clean and thought I was stupid strong. And then I get into weightlifting. I realized guys toy with that. Like that's a warm up weight for most guys, especially the bigger weight classes. And so when you go into a meet, when you're, you know, I've, I've been in AO3, AO final, and then university Nats as far as national meets go. And I was in the A session for all of them. And the only one that I was even in contention for was University Nats. I was coming in to UNATS this past February, um, top top three in total. Whereas when I was at AO Final the previous December or the American Open 3, um, the se- September before that, actually in AO3, I, was, I actually had a total that could have won but there were a couple guys who, who set American records for clean and jerk. But I remember going to AO3, looking at the totals. I was walking in with a 305 total, and the next closest total was um, the McCullough kid, um, his first name, Morgan, from uh, he's one of Mash's lifters. He had a 325. And the next guy after that, I think, was like 350. So I was like, I'm just trying to make my lifts and that's all you can do. It's, it's until you're in that, that echelon of gold, silver, bronze, there's nothing you can actually do outside of just training more, eating more and take care of your body so that you will eventually hit those numbers. Cause it's not like, you know, as hard as it is to hit a baseball, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. There's no lucky in weightlifting. It's you can either lift it or you can't. Yeah. And it's about really just controlling what you can control because exactly, you know, like you could show up to a local meet and win by 50 kilos, or you can show up to a local meet and someone who just shows up is better than you that day. Absolutely. And there's nothing you can do about it. You're not going to hit a 20, 30 kilo PR. It just doesn't happen. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. I remember I was, we were, it was the day before my session. One of the girls on our team was, was, she was in the 76 a session. Um, that was actually the session where, uh, Shakesha Johnson hit the, um, hit the American record on, on snatch and, and actually beat Maddie Rogers in uh, a final that weekend. But, um, I remember I was talking to Jason Bonick. Um, he had like a three sixty total. He was in my session. And I just remember, um, talking to him and he asked what my total was and 
And uh, he just kind of looked at me. He goes, how long have you been lifting? And I told him at the point, it was like, it wasn't even a year yet. And he goes, um, an A session. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess because I was at the bottom of the A session, they snuck me in, but I easily could have fit in the B session and been competitive. Not that that matters, but I just remember talking to Jason and just thinking like, holy crap, this dude is, you know, he's just light years ahead of me. And that's ultimately what it comes down to is, is why are all these Chinese lifters so good? Because they are, they've been lifting for, you know, 10, 15 years. Like, um, Lu Xiao Zen is, he's 35 and he's been lifting for almost 20, you know, over 20 years. And it's like, there is a level of just being in the game longer at the time I made a year in February. So it's been a year and a half to this point and guys are outlifting me, um, by significant amount. And I have to remind myself that, 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 I mean, they've been in the game for, you know, some, some 10 years longer than me. Um, even kids that are almost 10 years younger than me, they've been in it for, you know, eight to 10 years already. I'm just like, I mean, well, that's, that's why. And you have to kind of conceptualize how that works is, you're eventually going to get there just whether or not you can stay healthy. And that's the main game is training consistently and take care of your body. Yeah. The consistency dude, it's like, how long can you compete at a high level? Like yep. you're going how to get, long can you, how long can you bend before you break? Mm-hmm. And if you are going to compete at the highest level, you're going to get injured. You're going to have, you're going to feel like shit for a long time. And it's just like, it's, and that's what I think about the same thing with the podcast is like, how long can I hang in there? Like every Mm -hmm. day, every day people in your weight class or people who are doing podcasts are quitting. They're just giving up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you keep staying in there for 2024, 2028, it's realistic. It's possible. It's just a matter of like, how bad do you want it? And that's like cliche to say, but it's, it's the truth. Yeah. I mean, that's, you kind of said it best. You can't, you have to keep everything in perspective. And if you want it, it's going to happen if you can outlast. And it's just whether or not you can outlast, you know, if you're not questioning why you're doing something on a regular basis, then you're not in deep enough to what you want to do. If you like, I couldn't tell you how many times I've woken up, you know, either going to work or going to train. I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like, this is bullshit. I don't want to be here. My body hurts. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Even though I've eaten all damn day. It's just like, why am I doing this? But then you get a chance to recover and you go, and then you have those good days and you go, ha, that's why I do this. And it's, it's, a, it's like a never ending cycle. It's a loophole. It's a loop. You just, you hate it. You hate it. You love it. You love it. And you just keep going around the circle. You hate it some days. You love it. You hate it. You love it. And, but that's just a sign of being, of being, you know, neck deep in something that you genuinely give a damn about. Yeah. And it's one lift. It's one lift that completely changes it around. Like you always, you hit a plateau for six months. You haven't PR'd and then you hit that PR and it's like, all right, all, all that, you know, being pissed off for months at a time, it's worth it. Yeah. You, you know, you miss lifts at significantly lower, you know, you have a PR and you kind of go in there expecting to hit, you know, 90%, 93% for, you know, doubles and triples all the time. And you're just like, 
and you may do it once, but then you may never do it again. You're like, you're like, okay, something happened. I'm, I'm getting worse. And then you start missing, you're making lifts barely, but you're missing them. Nothing feels good. Then all of a sudden you stick one. And then all of a sudden your mind just snaps like, Oh yeah, I got this figured out. And then it, it just kind of, it starts all, it starts stuff all over again. Yeah, for sure. Do you have anything like you've brought from baseball that you think has been beneficial, like mindset or like how you approach in a bat? Like, is that the same as weightlifting? Um, no, I, I would always approach it at bat trying to be as calm as possible because I wanted to slow the game down. But when I'm attacking a lift, I almost, I have to, you have to trick yourself into finding a dark place and almost being, being kind of sick and twisted and upset at things you don't need to be upset about and just, and just kind of unleash yourself on that lift. It's almost like going to a fight. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of how I, I approach the bar just because when you try to do too much with a bat in your hand, that's when you start chasing and you get out of your approach. But with the barbell, you've, you've done all of, you've, you've done this snatch, you've done this movement a million times up to this point. And now you just have to get in your mind that I don't give a shit how heavy it is. I'm going to move it fast and I'm going to stand it up. Are you a music guy in the back room? Um, yes and no. Um, I'd say, I'd say I, I get music going. But once I make that, like, if I make my first snatch, for some reason, snatch it. Snatch is a isn't It's not a competition for me at that point. It's it's fun. It's like I I approach the whole snatch session trying to make the first one, just make my opener, um, and then at that point, you know, attempts two and three are fun because snatch is more fun than it is work for me. I enjoy snatch. It's it's just. Obviously, they're not as heavy, so you're just sitting there going, "All right, now let's have some fun." And it's more of a, I wouldn't say a song and dance, but you walk up there with a little bit more swagger than you would clean and jerk. But when it's time to clean and jerk, that's when you, that's when I put the headphones back in and and I just think about gripping and ripping it um, as hard as I can. But my music wouldn't match that that kind of ideology though i'm more of a you'd be surprised at the music that that's played my headphones while i'm training what are you listening to um so while we train it's very similar we listen to almost anything but i listen to honestly the goofiest shit you can think of like before and it's usually like one or two songs i just play on repeat um before AO3, it was Choppa style because that was um, right, right after or right before you know all of the Saints stuff. You know the refs cost us a Super Bowl and all that stuff. But um, and then for AO Final, I was listening to Mariah Carey's Greatest Hits. <laughs> so it's just 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 something down the headphones go on. I'm not overstimulated by thinking about the lift, it's kind of, it's almost distracting to an extent, but when the headphones come off, it's like you're back in the moment and you can get locked in. It's to keep yourself from 
over overamping yourself up. I'm excited at my next meet. I'm going to try to just go no music at all. I was talking to uh, Nate Kerwinski, who's an 81. He's like, he's a really competitive 81. He won uh, AO3 in Daytona. And then uh, he's going to youth world or junior worlds. I don't, it, everything keeps getting canceled, but he was saying how he doesn't listen to music at all. And he used to be like the hype man. And, you know, you have those playlists where you're listening to six, nine or, or Drake. Yeah. Or something. And like, I tried to do that, but I'm not an intense person. Like same thing with baseball. I would approach in a bat. Like I wasn't thinking about anything. I didn't need music. I didn't need anyone to yell in my face. I'm just like, yeah, I was more having fun, laughing and talking shit about stuff we shouldn't have been talking about. So, and, and, and it almost seemed like I was checked out, but in reality, you, if you're sitting there thinking about an at bat, if you're sitting there thinking about a lift for longer than the X amount of time you're in the moment doing the lift, you almost like paralyze yourself. Like it's, it's, it's paralysis by analysis. I've, I've come to learn that, that if I am too, too high, if I'm hyper-focused on one, on one job for too long, I don't do the job near as well. But if I, completely if i don't think about it but then when i'm in the moment i'm just mindful of what i'm doing that's when things seem to come together and then once it's over it's over you let it go and then you check back in obviously i'm not i'm not super focused and then i'm completely you know la di da di da forgetting what i'm doing but it's just kind of a it's your it's your hyper focus your normal focus and then you're checked out and you kind of undulate between hyper focus and just normal focus within competitions and even near at bats. It's so when I'm in the box, I'm in the box. When I'm, you know, playing defense, I'm playing defense. I'm in the dugout. I'm doing God knows what. Have you read anything on like the mental game or or, you know, any mindset books, anything like that? Or have you always just kind of thought this way? Um so I I try to but I, I find it numbing um, because my dad and stepmom are psychologists. So, so growing up, I got a lot of mental practice thrown at me just because it's the type of people they are. And um, so I, you know, I try to learn stuff for myself, but the biggest thing I've learned is just being mindful. It's just being where your feet are. It's anxiety, anxiety, stress, nervousness is all created between our own ears because we perceive things as worse or greater than they actually are. And when we may be mindful, we're not concerned about anything outside of what we're doing in that moment in time. Cause I mean, I'm sure you saw people, you know, when it comes to school is it's an easy example is how many, how many times it's just people with these pretty, you know, planners and they've got everything, at this time, they're doing this, that, and the third. And they're typically the most stressed out people in the world. But then you have those dudes that, that did not care and were just like, yeah, I think I got class today. But they, you know, but we you know typically they weren't brainiacs unless they were just, just that much smarter than everybody else. They weren't, you know, great students, but they were just like, they weren't stressed and they still got by. Whereas, whereas those people, you know, who were so organized and so, so like overly structured, they were either really good because they, because that's the only way they can function now, or they were just completely fried 
after one semester and couldn't repeat that. And they had very inconsistent semesters. And I feel the same way with weightlifting. If you can focus on, and it's hard because social media now, it's really, it's really hard to worry about your lifts when you're in training or when you're on the platform, because at any point in time, you can go on Instagram and go see Wes Kitts or Chris Rodriguez or Jake Baker or any of those dudes go throw up, you know, a ridiculous snatch or ridiculous clean and jerk. And you're sitting there going, why am I not doing that yet? But that's just mental discipline is just understand it. All, all that is perspective, but it's just, if you focus on your lifts when you're lifting or whatever the job is at hand, the biggest focus needs to be there. Then you take care of things and you handle things as they come rather than trying to do everything at once. And that's when you can get yourself fried out. You don't perform as well. You increase it. You increase your stress, you increase your nervousness, your anxiety goes through the roof because you, because you're seeing everything at once rather than one piece. Like, you know, a pretty house looks awesome, but it wasn't built at one time. They laid one brick at a time and they were focused on that one brick each time they laid the, the foundation of that house. It seems like you have a lot of, a lot of practice with this stuff and like, you know, what works well for you. I think it's, it's easy to read about it and hear what other people do, but until you actually compete, you're on the platform. There's, there's no like other way that you can get that. It's just experience and knowing what works for you, knowing what doesn't work for you. Absolutely. There is no one size fits all. Um, Cause I have, you know, I've had some teammates who you can't talk to them. You can't, you can't look at them. They gotta be in their headphones. They're just staring a hole through the wall. Whereas you had other teammates like myself who, you know, I dancing around almost to the point where it seems I'm unprepared, but it's just because I need to preoccupy my time, preoccupy my mind so that I'm not sitting there, sitting there. Okay. What am I going to do my third lift? I need to be worrying about hitting the bar, then hitting 70, then hitting 80, 90 in the back room. And then the only time I'm worried about hitting my opener is my opener. Only time I'm worried about hitting my second attempt is my second attempt and same with the third attempt and so on and so forth. I feel like the people that are dancing around and stuff are more prepared though. You know, a lot of times they're the ones who are confident that this training cycle, I did everything I possibly could. Now it's time to have fun. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a matter of, like you said before, what works for what people is some guys go in. I mean, I'm sure they're training matches their their body language when they're in the back room is they is for us, our entire team. If you see any, any video from our, our team practicing, it is somebody's lifting and somebody is dancing or joking or laughing or eating doing 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 all types of just nonsense but we're still working whereas if you go to other clubs and you see you know training they may have music but it's 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 very like ambient and and you don't you don't see much activity outside of people lifting checking their video talking to coaches and where it's us it's you may see me talking to johnny but we could be talking about whether i jump forward on my snatch whether i missed it or what he ate last night or who knows what, like, or, or why 
Zach, you know, is snatching like a crab again, all types of stuff. We just have, there's all types of conversations where we're making fun of each other. We're trying to mess with each other. We're throwing stuff. We're just, it's, it's almost like we're not focused, but when we're lifting, we're focused. And it's kind of, I feel like your, your environment and your training will match how you, how you compete. And I think that's very important to, to learn that because you can't be in the environment like ours and then get on the platform or, and then get in the, the back room and try to be quiet and hyper-focused because your, your body doesn't know how to perform when you've been focused on the lift for 15 minutes prior to even touching the bar. You are, you are, you've trained yourself. You have figured out that you're, that, that you perform best when you grab the bar two minutes after I just ran over to you and said some stupid dad joke or who knows. Yeah. And it's, it's all about how you train. Like I know the Navy SEALs talk about like, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to your training. So like what, and you know, like a heavier lift, if you're trying to change something with your technique, when you get heavy, that all goes out the window and you go back to what you do on a normal basis. Absolutely. So yeah, I think I think the mindset piece just in weightlifting is so big and I think I think baseball players definitely do have an advantage because you're constantly tinkering with your swing, you're constantly focusing on what the pitcher's throwing, what, you know. Yeah, it's it's almost like an obsession and it's and it's it, it it's 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 pretty cool because um two of, actually three of my teammates are very uh they weren't baseball players but they're almost obsessive in their lifting as well. And it's like Ryan, Zach and Marcus are always, we're always, whether we're lifting or not, we always have a set of eyes on one another because like Ryan, Ryan, Zach or Marcus would be the first ones to walk up to me and say, Hey, if you jump forward again, I'm going to kick your ass. Or if you, or if you let that bar get away from you, I'm going to knock you out. Or we just say, we just kind of remind each other, and kind of hold each other accountable that if you suck, I'm going to let you know. And it's, and it's not personal. It's, it's the fact that, that the amount of time we spend together, I'm not going to let you waste your time. Um, because it, it's just kind of become the relationship of, of understanding. I'm not gonna let you waste your time. You're not gonna let me waste mine. That's good. It's like creating that expectation for everybody in the room. Absolutely. So what are what are your plans for the future coming up? I know the competitions have been kind of kind of non-existent the last year, but is there anything you have eyeing up on the calendar right now? Um so next Saturday we're going to do the August online qualifier cuz I just need to update my total because my total that qualified me for senior nats is no, will no longer be valid. Um, come November. So I just, I just have to requalify for that. Um, we're treating that just like a, a max out Saturday. It's, we're just going to test because it actually works out that we're at the end of a cycle for that anyway. And I'm, I'm not going to do AO3 unless I absolutely have to just because I, I, I would rather train through AO3 and especially since it's online now would would much rather train three or three and 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 peak for senior nats with hopes of putting up a massive total um and sneak and 
maybe sneak closer to that that uh 10 spot to maybe you know the i forget what they call the new meets the north american whatever tour maybe you know in in march hit that if if that's not too late to maybe hit a, a a total to sneak in on the pan am team but beyond that we're just focused on um just just getting heavier and getting as big a total as we can as quickly as we can to start making international teams. Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. I just have one final question. So I've been asking everybody this, what's um one piece of advice, one thing that you would tell somebody to write on a post-it note, put on their mirror, that's just going to help them become a little bit better today than they were yesterday. Lay the best brick you can each day. Um, I mentioned earlier, you don't build a house at one time. You don't, throw down a great body of work at one time. It's called a body of work because it's different pieces. You have to lay down each piece every single day, the best you can possibly lay it down. And then at the end, then you see your body of work. You have to go one piece at a time each day, that one piece that I'm going to put down, I'm going to lay it the best damn piece that I can lay better than anybody else. And the next day I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again. And in six months, I look up and boom, I might have a house. However long it takes to build your body of work, it comes down to laying one piece every single day. Fuck yeah. I love that, man. Well, thank you. And uh, I'll definitely have to have you back on the podcast when you finish that foundation and like we see where you end up. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Of course. Glad to be here. And that's a wrap for our episode this week. Thank you so much to Josh for his time and coming on the show. If you want to head over to his Instagram and give him a follow, it's at reachbacklike underscore McGee. That will be linked up in the show notes. So if you did like this one, take a screenshot, tag both of us, tag reachbacklike underscore McGee, and at Better Than Yesterday Pod, we would both appreciate that this week. And if you guys could do one more thing real fast before I let you guys go. So I rely on reviews to get the word out. So if you do like the show, if you liked any of the episodes I've done so far, head to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a quick review. Both those things would be super helpful this week. It helps me grow. It helps me get more guests on the show and keep wanting to do this. So if you guys could do all those things, that'd be absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for the support, and I will talk to you guys on the next one.